0: Former Press Secretary Sean Spicer asked me an interesting question yesterday. We were talking about uh, the new Pfizer study for the COVID-19 vaccine, the Pfizer vaccine, of course. Um, Pfizer claims that it's safe and effective uh, against COVID-19 for children between the ages of five to 11 years old. And I personally think that this is absolutely insane. I know children are contracting the Delta variant, but children are statistically still more likely to die of the flu if they contract the flu than to die of COVID-19, even Delta, if they contract Delta. So I, I cannot for the life of me see any reason why um, to give this to a child. But I was I was talking to former Secretary Spicer about this, and he was pushing me on it a little bit. He said, well, what what information would you need in order to change your mind, in order to give this vaccination to my daughter? Now, just FYI, my daughter is eight months old, so this is hypothetical. She's not in this age range. And I said, I would need two pieces of information to change my mind and give my daughter this vaccine. The two pieces of information I would need are as follows. Number one, I would need to know that the severity of COVID-19 for a child in the age bracket with the non-existent, pre-existing conditions that my daughter has, that the severity of COVID-19 is way, way, way worse than it actually is. That's number one. And number two, I would need the long-term safety data for children in this age bracket to be very, very, very different. Than what it is. So, right now, the long term safety data is simply non existent because there is no long term safety data. And I would need the short term safety data, by the way, to also show that there are no side effects, no immediate side effects. Because the Pfizer study shows that even little kids that have been tested in this trial, in this study, are experiencing the same immediate side effects that adults are, even if the dose is lower. So those are the two pieces of information that I would need to change uh, my mind on whether children should be vaccinated against COVID-19. The severity of COVID-19 itself and the safety data. Now, you may be thinking, and you're correct, well then the reality of the situation would have to change in order for me to think that it's smart to vaccinate children between the ages of five to 11. And you are exactly correct, that is correct. The reality of the situation would have to change because what we're dealing with now The reality of the situation right now, it's insane. I mean, let's just say it what let's just speak the reality for what it is. It's insane that we would inject children with this vaccine, given the fact that it's not a serious, that COVID-19 is not a serious risk for them when we know that the vaccine has decently serious side effects. So then Secretary Sposer asked me, okay, well, what are you gonna do if a school requires this? And this to me, of course, is an easy question: homeschool your child. Pull your child out of that public school. Push back on those teachers' unions. Make sure that your city government, your state government, your all the way, your local government, down to the school board, make sure they know that you are not okay with that kind of vaccine mandate. And don't let anyone compare this to vaccine mandates um, that are already existent at your school. Because for those vaccines, believe what you will about them. There's long-term safety data, and you have the opportunity to get an exemption for religious or medical reasons. Homeschool your children, and do not be afraid of saying what I'm saying. Do not be afraid of being stigmatized. Do not be afraid of being socially ostracized. Do not be afraid of being kicked off of big tech for saying this. The reality of the situation is it simply doesn't make sense. I would never in a million years give this vaccine to my child. I'm Liz Wheeler, welcome to The Liz Wheeler Show. Oh my goodness. Joe Biden speaking at the United Nations. First of all, the most boring thing in the entire world. But this man, let me tell you, he says the most atrocious things. The most atrocious things. It's embarrassing to me as an American citizen, someone who is proud of her country, someone who is proud when our country is represented on the international stage. It's embarrassing to me that Biden is the representative given the absolutely asinine things he says. We're going to get to that in just a second. But first, um, I mentioned this yesterday, but I'm so excited to announce that this fall, I'm headed to college campuses across America in partnership with my good friends at the Young America's Foundation, that's right. At these events on college campuses, I'll be able to talk directly with you and your peers about the issues that affect all of our lives today in America. It's a deeper dive really into a lot of the issues that we cover on this show on a daily basis, plus, This is the fun part for us all. I will be taking questions live. I'm thrilled to be working with YAF to come visit your school. So starting now, you can put in a request to host an event with me on your campus this fall. It's super easy. All you have to do is go to LizWheelershow.com slash YAF, LizWheelershow.com slash YAF. I always love meeting students on campuses, and YAF conferences are some of my favorite parts of my job. But what's always true is I get to meet a lot of impressive young students that give me hope for the future of conservatism in America. Plus, it's always interesting during the question and answer when the leftists show up. So don't miss out, put in a request today. If you know a student in your life who's on a college campus, if you're on a college campus yourself, don't wait. Go to lizwheelershow.com slash yaftoday and submit your request. Okay, so before we talk about Joe Biden at the UN, I wanna make an observation here. And my observation is, The last couple days, the last couple weeks really, we've been inundated with all these things happening. We've been inundated with first Afghanistan happened and the border happened and now Biden at the UN is happening. And the observation that I wanna make is these things that are happening, aren't just happening to us. They're not just forces of nature or fate, just happening and there's nothing that we can do about it. These things that are happening, are a result of Joe Biden's choices. They are representative of Joe Biden's priorities. And they wouldn't happen except for the fact that Joe Biden is making the choices that he's making. And Biden at the UN this week is a perfect example of this. Like I said, what he said, what the president of the United States, standing up in front of the entire world, said about us in America, it's atrocious. Listen.
1: That our own success is bound up in others succeeding as well. To deliver for our own people, we must also engage deeply with the rest of the world. Already, the United States has put more than $15 billion toward global COVID response — the global COVID response. We'll be able to meet the goal of mobilizing $100 billion to support climate action in developing nations.
0: What about the border, man? What about Afghanistan? What about fighting radical Islamic terrorism? What about the promises that you made about the women, the women who are being subjugated now by the Taliban, by ISIS-K, by Al Qaeda? But no, no, Joe Biden talks about global warming and climate change. The whole tone of this speech was one of collectivism. It's not about the United States preserving and protecting our inherent human rights here in the United States and setting that example abroad Even partnering with other countries who hold the same values dear, no, no, this is a collectivist narrative coming from Joe Biden when he says our own success is bound with others succeeding as well. Well, what should happen is our success should come first and others should follow based on our success, like the free market, like what we've seen with our capitalist society. First the United States during the industrial revolution was very successful, and then we exported that success to places around the world. That's what should be happening in the United States, that we should lead by example and others should succeed because of our success, not bound to others as if we cannot succeed unless the international community also succeeds. It's okay to be the leader. It's okay to be the freest and fairest and most prosperous nation that our world has ever known. That's something we should be proud of. But to Joe Biden, collectivism is better because Marxism is better and he's surrounded himself with these ra- insane radical leftists whose ideology is counter to what has made the United States the freest and fairest and greatest nation the world has ever known. So Joe Biden brags that he spent $15 billion on COVID help for the world community. And then he says, we're gonna meet the goal of spending $100 billion. Now keep in mind again, whenever he says he's going to spend money, it's not his money. It's not the government's money. That's our money. It's our tax money that he's talking about he's going to spend our tax money 100 billion dollars on climate change. Again, keep in mind that no matter what the United States does, even if we completely ban all fossil fuels, even if we completely ban electricity, even if we even if the United States is obliterated, it actually won't make a significant difference in the global in the rise of global temperatures because other nations because of the actions of other nations. So the United States can never do enough even if we want to operate under this standard that we need urgently to lower global temperatures. A premise, by the way, which I do not agree with, but even operating under that premise for the sake of this argument, there's nothing that we can do, no amount of money that we can spend that would make a significant difference if other countries, like China, are acting in the way that they're acting. And Biden's not going to change China. China's too busy creating mutant viruses to unleash on the world to be worried about uh, pollution and Joe Biden's silly speech at the United Nations. And then, of course, Joe Biden mentions it, it wouldn't be an international collectivist speech if Joe Biden didn't mention the LGBTQI community. He's now added an I to this. I had to look this up. It's for intersex. Uh, that's what the I is. Every day, there's more letters added to this. And Joe Biden, listen. We w- before I even get to this, we are we are lucky to live in a nation where everybody, no matter their sexual orientation, no matter their quote unquote gender identity, no matter what every person in this country is to be treated equally under the law. And we are very fortunate to live in a nation where that is the case. It's not always been the case for people who are LGBT. But that's not Biden's point here. Biden's point here is of course to push for equity. Equity being this poisonous word that means equal outcome versus equal opportunity. It is a woke leftist agenda. This is all part of this Marxist ideology that's been pervading the radical left, that's been pervading now the Biden White House because of who he has surrounded himself with, He's not a moderate because he's deputized all these crazy Marxist people around him. Anyway, so LGBTQI is now the word. Um, It's evolved even further than, than the last time that Biden said it. But the point of this is that what is happening to you and to me and to the entirety of the American people is not simply happening to us arbitrarily. What is happening is happening as a result of Biden's choices, choices like the ones he made at the United Nations to talk about what he talked about, or like the border. We're going to get to the border in a second. We are going to get to the border in a second because what is happening at the border is 100% Biden's responsibility. It's not just Biden's responsibility because he's president. It was Biden's choices that caused this to happen. It would not have happened had it not been for Joe Biden, just like Afghanistan. Afghanistan was Biden's choice, giving Afghanistan back to the Taliban, surrendering Kabul to the Taliban, allowing the Taliban to take over how much? Billions of dollars of US military equipment. This was all this was all Biden's choice, abandoning Bagram Air Base, Biden's choice. We're the United States of America. We have the strongest military on the face of the earth. We are the world's superpower, International events, even wars, end the way that we choose them to end, period. So what happened in Afghanistan was Biden's choice. Just so you know, just so Biden knows is what I should say, women in Kabul, if they work in city government jobs in that municipality, they were told to go home this week, that they were no longer needed to work in their positions. Why? Because they were told by the Taliban that men would now be filling their jobs. Now, remember, the Biden administration assured the world that they were going to make sure that women's rights were protected, that women's dignity was protected, that women were not abused or subjugated or tortured under Taliban rule, as if we didn't know full well what the Taliban was and what their ideology is and how their ideology, their poisonous ideology, informs their brutal treatment of women. We knew it was gonna happen. Biden knew too. He was just trying to make excuses, hoping that you wouldn't notice. But because of Biden's choice, because of what he chose to do in Afghanistan, because of what he prioritized, women in Kabul are now unable to work for the government. They were sent home. Similarly, Biden chose, as the commander in chief, he chose for our military to abandon, to evacuate from Bagram Air Base. Now, we all know that this was a strategic atrocity, that this was the most absurd and idiotic choice that he could have possibly made. That's pretty much agreed across the political spectrum, pretty much agreed that that was a stupid thing for him to do beyond stupid. Well, because of the choice, because of Biden's choice to do that anyway, the suicide bomber that killed 13 Marines or killed 13 service members, a dozen of whom were Marines, that suicide bomber had been freed from Bagram Air Base from the prison there just days before waging the the deadly attack. This information we find out via India's intel uh, sources because this suicide bomber had previously been given to the CIA at Bagram by India. But he was freed on August 15th and then he waged his deadly attack that killed over a dozen US service members. These are Biden's choices. Biden's choices are what caused, quote unquote, what's happening to us to happen to us. If Biden didn't make these choices, what's happening to us, wouldn't be happening to us. Now let's get to the border because the border is another example of this. Biden's choices are what's happening to us at the border. I mean, you don't even have to look as far back as the Trump presidency. I mean, you can see the contrast of what happened under the Obama presidency and how then when President Trump came into office, how he changed what was happening at the border. He started building the border wall. He started implementing the remain in Mexico policy. He stopped catch and release. Um, when COVID happened, you know he sent people back um, under powers which he is allowed to send people back if they come from nations that are infected by contagions like COVID-19. All of these different things were reversed by Joe Biden. Joe Biden made the choice to reverse them and you can see what's happening at the border. People are pouring across. Tens of thousands of people are under the international bridge in Del Rio. I mean, it's an absolute mess. You can hardly take your eyes off of it. Now, if I were president, which by the way, I never, ever, ever, not ever would be, it sounds like a terrible, terrible, unfun job, nothing compared to the fun job that I have right now. But if I were president, which I will not be, this is what I would do about the border. This You can, you can solve this border crisis. I would solve this border crisis in just 10 steps. And here's how I would do it. First of all, the media likes to play sob stories because some of the people coming across our border do have legitimate sad stories. They do come from nations where they're oppressed, where they're threatened, where they're impoverished, and it's sad. There's no two ways about it. There's, there's no denying that. But here's the thing. We can't take everybody with a sad story, especially when they come here in a way that is not a legal way to come here. If if an individual comes here just because they're trying to seek a better life, I don't blame them. I would do that too if I was in their situation. But that's not the same as claiming asylum. Asylum means that you have a legitimate threat against your life by the government of the country in which you live. So just because someone has a sad story, or just because we don't blame them for trying to come here, doesn't mean that we can take everybody in. And this isn't this isn't hypothetical. Gallup ran a poll that gauged how many people around the world actually want to come to the United States. And they found that of every adult in the entire world, 750 million adults want to migrate to a different country permanently, and 21% of those people who want to migrate to another country permanently want to migrate to the United States. So the math there is 150 million adults, this doesn't even count the children they would bring with them, 158 million adults want to migrate permanently to the United States. So, what I would ask what I would ask the Democrats, and again, preface this by saying, "I don't blame many of them for fleeing or wanting fleeing their country of origin or wanting to come here." But what I would ask is, can every single person, can every one hundred and fifty eight million people come here? Do we have our responsibility to allow one hundred and fifty eight million to come here just because they want to come here? And the answer to that is, of course, no. Our first responsibility is our home and protecting our homeland and protecting our citizens. And when I say protecting, I mean protecting from a lot of different things. And one of those things is crime. And crime is very important when we're talking about this because the picture that I just painted, painted 158 million people as being good faith seekers of the American dream. And we know unfortunately that that's not the case, that there's a lot of criminals actually who want to come to the United States because it's the land of opportunity and there's also a good opportunity for them to commit crimes. So if, if you look at the crime data, that comes with these these influxes of migrants across our border, almost 50% of federal crimes are committed near the Mexican border. 50% of federal crimes. Now, the statistics that that I wanna talk about here are actually from 2014, and it's very specific, the year 2014, I picked this year because it's not only before the Biden era, it's before the Trump era. So this has nothing to do with President Trump, it has nothing to do with Joe Biden, this is just, An average, if you will, this is just a peek into what um, what a typical what a typical border situation might look like outside of the kind of bombastic rhetoric that has gone back and forth between the right and the left during President Trump's administration and now President Biden's. So, in 2014, 38.6 percent of all federal cases—that's over 23,000 cases—this is in 2014—involved immigration. Nearly 22 percent, that's 13,000, were drug-related. 20% were violent crimes. 10% were white collar offenses. Illegal immigrants accounted for nearly 75% of federal drug sentences in 2014. This is according to the United States Sentencing Commission. So this is all to say that our responsibility, first and foremost, and if I were president, which I never, ever, ever, not ever would be, if I were president, your first, my first responsibility is to protect the homeland and protect the citizens, and yes, that includes protecting citizens from crime. So these are the ten things that I would do in order to solve this border crisis once and for all. Not just kick it down, kick the can down the road. Not just brush it under the rug. Not just uh, try to stifle it a little bit without being politically, politically controversial. No, this is what I would do. Number one, I would shut down the border until this is under control. This is not to say that I'm a zero immigration advocate. I'm not. I think there's a place for legal immigration. And I'm in favor of that. But until this crisis, until this flow of illegal aliens stopped, I would shut down the border completely. And number two, some say that this is a politically uh, dangerous or a politically risky thing to do, that you waste a lot of political capital if you close down the border because you seem anti-immigrant. No, that's not the case. What I would do is I would show the harm that happens. I would show the bodies, I would show the murders, I would show the cartels, I would show the fentanyl, I would show the sex trafficking, I would show the, the rings of child labor that operate around the border. I would show the harm to demonstrate, so the mainstream media could not get ahead of this, to demonstrate why it is a national security risk to leave our border open. Number three, I would enforce Remain in Mexico for asylum seekers. There are legitimate asylum seekers, there are, and they deserve to be adjudicated. They deserve their day in court, but until... They've had that Dan Court. They can remain on the other side of the Mexican border. They can they will be gained entry to the United States only if their asylum has been approved. And I would turn away anybody at the border who violated the principle. of a first first country safety rule. Essentially, if you come from South America and you could have gained safe passage in Mexico and they offered you asylum and you turned it down because you'd rather come to the United States, then no, you're not welcome in the United States. If you're an actual asylum seeker, you will settle in the first country that offers you safety. Number four, I would stop catch and release. This should be a no-brainer. It's actually remarkable that this is is a policy in our country that Biden has um, restarted this dismal destructive and failed Obama policy, but there will be no special privileges for family units either because all that does is encourage cartels and coyotes and traffickers to use children as pawns, children that are not biologically related to them. The cartels and the traffickers claim that children who are not biologically related to them are biologically related to them so that they can identify as family units so a judge lets them go into the United States and just gives them a court date to appear later. And of course, they don't appear later and then these children have been trafficked. So, catch and release will be stopped, and there will be no special privileges for family units. Number five, I will designate cartels as terror organizations, because once I designate cartels as terror organizations, I will use special forces to take them out. That's right. I, I understand that this is one of my most controversial foreign policy uh, foreign policy positions, but think about think about the violation not only of law of sovereignty that cartels inflict on a daily basis on our nation. They completely obliterate our border. They have no respect for our laws. They're sending so many deadly drugs into our country that it's an epidemic. These cartels are violent. They have people stationed in our country. Cartel crime is almost the underpinning of crime in our our country, in the United States. So I will designate cartels as terrorists and use special forces to take them out. Number six, I will find illegal aliens who overstay their visas because we focus a lot on the border. But one of the ways that illegal aliens come to the United States, one of the ways that the flow has not been stopped is because people get a visa, a temporary visa. They come here and then when the visa expires, they don't leave. They just stay. And then we do nothing to enforce it, nothing to track them down. I will find those who overstay their visas and I will enforce that. We will stop the flow of illegal aliens. And part of stopping it, number seven, I will enforce E-Verify for employers, and there will be penalties for skirting E-Verify to ensure that employers are hiring only people who are legally allowed to work in the United States. We must stop the demand for illegal illegal labor, and that will actually stop a lot of illegal aliens from trying to come here if there is no job opportunities for them unless they are here legally. Number eight, I will also stop welfare benefits for illegal aliens, except emergency healthcare, of course, because uh, we are humane. But there will be no welfare benefits for legal aliens. So if there's no welfare benefits and there are no jobs because they're not here legally and not allowed to work, there is no incentive whatsoever for illegal aliens to come here at all. Number nine, I will build a wall. I will give resources and technology for border enforcement because if you don't have a border, you're not a nation. It's a national security risk and a violation of the sovereignty of the United States of America. And it should be a no-brainer. And it used to be a bipartisan agreement that our borders should be protected. Number 10, only once the flow of illegal immigration is stopped, completely stopped, then at that time I will consider legal status for long-term otherwise law-abiding aliens who are not on welfare. Because there is an argument to be made that people who have been here for decades and decades, who have contributed to society, maybe paid taxes, maybe not on welfare, they have nowhere else to go, that they should not be illegal anymore. There might be a process for them to become legal, not citizenship, never citizenship, because they originally broke the law. But if they're otherwise law-abiding, perhaps it can be discussed with congressional approval that they become, uh, they at least become legal residents here once the flow is stopped and only then. Those are the 10 things that I would do if I were president to stop, to fix, to solve this border crisis. Because remember, everything that's happening right now is not happening arbitrarily. What's happening, first in Afghanistan, maybe the UN, certainly at the border, is a result of the choices made by Joe Biden. The choices made by Joe Biden. And if you make different choices, if a president made different choices, then what's happening would be different. Now, of course, the left doesn't want to talk about any of this. The Democrats definitely don't want to discuss the reality of the situation or what choices Biden made that led to the crisis on the border. And so instead, the left peddles fake news about the Border Patrol. It's basically AOC's concentration camps, child children in cages all over again, which, as you remember, turned out to be absolute fake news. Well, the fake news of the day is about Border Patrol on horses. Uh, whipping migrants is the allegation peddled by all kinds of um, very high-profile people. We're gonna talk about that in just a second. But first, I wanna talk to you about Canopy. So this, this relates to our families, all of our families, actually. The internet and social media and smartphones have changed nearly every aspect of our lives. And this includes how we parents raise our children. There's a lot of questionable stuff to say the least, out there on the interweb. And that's why I trust Canopy to protect my family online. Canopy is an app that helps parents protect kids online by automatically detecting and blocking explicit websites, videos, and images, which will give you the confidence as a parent that your family is safe online. Now, I put a special link in the description of this episode on Apple Podcasts and on YouTube, so you can try it free for 30 days right now. Just click that link um, and create your account today. Don't let anonymous strangers... Don't let powerful tech companies decide what your children see online. It's up to us as parents. These are our children to step up and protect our kids. So sign up for a free trial of Canopy today, the digital parenting app that gives families the internet that they have been hoping for. None of the junk, just the stuff we need. Once again, to take advantage of this offer, just click the link that I put in the description on Apple Podcasts and on YouTube to start your 30-day free trial of Canopy right now. You have to use the special link in the description to get your free month. So don't wait. Scroll down and click now. Okay, the fake news, the Democrats, I don't blame the Democrats in a sense. If we're just talking about political strategy, why would they want you to know the reality of what's happening at the border? Why would they want you to know that everything that's happening is a result of Joe Biden's choices, that he is prioritizing adding an I to LGBTQ over securing our southern border? No, no. So the left propagates fake news. Their claim is that Border Patrol agents on horseback uh, at, at at the border are using whips against immigrants or against migrants from Haiti. And they have a video in which they claim migrants are being whipped. But before we even show this video, before you show this, I want to point something out. And this is what I noticed when I watched this video. The caption on this video, which was shared by a man named Sawyer Hackett, who works for Julian Castro. So maybe that's why it's inaccurate. Um, But the caption on this video says that migrants are being whipped. But if you watch the video, are they? Was a single migrant Whipped by Border Patrol? Watch for it because I think that you will see that it is a lie. Take a look. Again, this was this video and the photos were originally peddled by a man named Sawyer Hackett. This was, this went viral on Twitter, actually. Sawyer Hackett works for Julian Castro. So as I said before, maybe not the most reliable source there. It, but it's it's not just, it's not just Sawyer Hackett. I actually, there are so many high-profile Democrats who are propagating this complete lie, complete lie that, and I, I wanna talk about that in just a second, but I, I wanna talk about the truth first. Is this whipping? Are Border Patrol agents using whips to whip migrants from Haiti? Did you see that in the video? No, we didn't see that in the video because that's not what's happening. These Border Patrol agents, what's happening is they're twirling the reins, their open-ended reins, the reins, and they do that for two reasons. One, a horse is like a car. It requires a steering wheel, especially during these um, situations that are, that are in flux that are high adrenaline, that are quick-moving. And the agents do that to steer the horse. That's the first reason. The second reason they do it is to make sure that anybody stays clear of the horse because the horse can step on a person, break their bones, injure them. The horse itself can be injured. The border patrol agent can be injured. The migrant can be injured. So they twirl the reins to keep people away from the horse and to steer the horse. And it doesn't take a rocket scientist to know that. It doesn't even take a cowboy to know that. It doesn't even take anybody who has any knowledge of horses to know that. All it takes is someone who's interested in reality instead of lying. But the Democrats, of course, are not interested in reality. They are interested in lying. This is what um, Kamala Harris, by the way, where is Kamala Harris? She's supposed to be the border czar. She's supposed to be the border uh, extraordinaire. Where on earth is Kamala Harris? Well, Kamala Harris is busy perpetuating lies. This is what she said. She said, quote, What I saw depicted about those individuals on horseback treating human beings that way they were was horrible, and I fully support what is happening right now, which is a thorough investigation into exactly what is going on there, but human beings should never be treated that way, and I'm deeply troubled about it, and I'll also be talking to Secretary Mayorkas about it today. Now, we know the truth of this. It's been debunked not only by individuals who watched the video and realized that nope, no person was, was hit even by the twirling reins. It was reins. It was used to steer the horse and to protect the horse and to protect the border patrol agent and protect the migrant. But Democrats are still li- are still lying about it. This, this is what border patrol said, by the way. They denied this immediately with information that was accurate, they said, quote, agents use their reins for a lot of reasons. Primarily, it's used to steer the horses, but agents will also spin them sometimes to deter people from getting too close to the horse. If they get too close, the horse can step on them, breaking bones or causing other injuries. Agents also need to maintain control of their reins so they don't lose control of the horse, which can cause injuries to immigrants, the agents, and the horses. We are not aware of anyone being struck with the reins, end quote. But here's the question. Did Kamala Harris or Sawyer Hackett or Nancy Pelosi, or any of these other, Mayorkas even himself, did any of these Democrats correct their lie? Did they say, oh, actually, we misunderstood because we're total ignoramuses, we misunderstood what was happening, and without thinking, accused the Border Patrol of something evil because we didn't want you to see what was actually happening at the border, which is this invasion across our border. No, no, none of them said that. In fact, most of the comments, most of the tweets, most of the statements, most of the videos in which they're saying this, the Democrats are perpetuating this lie, I mean, are still active because they don't care about reality. They don't care about the truth. All they care about is perpetuating their narrative, which they're using. Their narrative, by the way, they, they want open borders. They want this to happen. And they don't, and they know the American people don't want this to happen, even Democrats. And so they want to distract you. They want to distract you from the reality of the situation. And so they're lying. Because they're lying liars. okay, speaking of lying liars, I have one little update on what we talked about yesterday um, we talked about the Brian laundry story, the alleged murder. Um, I still feel the same way as I did yesterday. I don't like how the mainstream media exploits tragedy exploits evil evil's always gonna exist. people are always gonna murder other people and I don't say that um, uncompassionately. I mean the reason that we're all fixated on this story in our country right now is because we are a compassionate nation because our heart breaks when we see this young woman who has been cut down in her prime, who was murdered so brutally, um, allegedly by her boyfriend. We don't know for a fact yet. But um, it's really awful to see this exploited by the mainstream media. And Joy Reid at MSNBC is guilty of this as well. In fact, Joy Reid is trying to make this about race. This isn't about race. This is a uh, alleged murder. This is a missing persons story. This is a lot of things what it isn't is an isn't a commentary on race and yet this is what joy reed said take a listen to this but the way this story has captivated the nation has many wondering why not the same media attention when people of color go missing well the answer actually has a name missing white woman syndrome the term coined by the late and great gwen Eiffel to describe the media and public fascination with missing white women like Lacey Peterson or Natalie Holloway, while ignoring cases involving missing people of color. Now, Joy Reid, this woman, Joy Reid is so obsessed with race that um, she involves race where race literally doesn't exist. But this is also just such a hideous lie. I couldn't let this one go because first of all, the idea that the American people, or even conservatives, if you will, ignore quote unquote, missing black people is such a load of BS, such a load of BS. And I think you know what I'm talking about. Joy Reid probably does not because Joy Reid ignores the 20 million black babies who have gone missing, unborn black babies who have gone missing. And who speaks out on behalf of those missing black children, those missing black babies, who speaks out on their behalf, advocating for their basic human rights, missing them, humanizing them? Conservatives do. That's who. It's Democrats like Joy Reid, who when literally millions of black babies go missing, their life snuffed out by abortion, Joy Reid completely ignores them. Completely ignores them. That's the first thing. The second thing is, I mean, debate, if you debate, if you debate someone stupid, then really, you risk looking stupid yourself. But the, the argument that Joy Reid is making is so stupid because it's not, even, it's not even true that the American mainstream media, and you all know, we all share, actually, the same criticism of, of the mainstream media, but the idea that the mainstream media ignores black people who are the victims, uh, who are the victim of crimes, is ridiculous, absolutely ridiculous. When a black man is shot by police even when he is justifiably shot by police, it creates a mainstream media frenzy. And when a white man is shot by police, which actually statistically happens more often than black men, nobody ever knows their name because the media doesn't care. So Joy Reid, as I said, is trying to insert race into everything, even where race doesn't exist, because she's so obsessed. I don't, I don't know why for this story. She's so obsessed with her radical leftist ideology, it's ridiculous. We couldn't let that one go. Um, the craziest video of the week so far comes from Project Veritas. Project Veritas released um, their exposed the COVID Vax video. It was already censored by Instagram. They told him that he could not post it on Instagram because it was disinformation that could cause people bodily harm. How can a video cause people harm? It's a video, you watch it. It's not like it reaches out and punches you in the face. It's a video, it's information. It's undercover reporting. And this is what Project Veritas found. This is a commentary not on on the vaccine itself, per se. This is a commentary on our federal government being deceptive about the side effects of the COVID vaccine. Take a listen to this.
1: The government doesn't want to show that the darn vaccine is is full of shit.
2: Tell us about who this person is.
1: Dr. Gonzalez is one of our emergency room doctors at Phoenix Indian Medical Center. And she's a federal employee? Correct. Now you got this guy in room four who got his second dose of vaccine mm-hmm. um, on Tuesday, has been short of breath. And celebrated. he's got myocarditis. Yes! Oh, this is bullshit. I'm, and,
0: and now, let's see.
1: probably myocarditis due to the vaccine. Right. But now they're not going to blame the vaccine. Well, and you know what? But he has an obligation to report that, doesn't he? They are not reporting. Right! Because they want to shove it under the... Yeah under the the the,
2: the map what patient was she referring to she was
1: uh referring to that patient that 30 something year old patient that had congestive heart congestive failure.
2: heart failure and in that particular patient's case it was not reported no may i see your badges you're jody o'malley of the department of health and human services this is the united states government identification i'm looking at the CDC website it says that you're required to report adverse events following vaccinations. One of those would be uh, congestive heart failure.
1: That's a huge
2: one. Were there other instances that they they didn't report?
1: Oh, I've seen dozens of people come in with an adverse reaction. it's really sad. She had just come back from surgery, from leave. So
2: what are we looking at here?
1: You're looking at me transferring her um, to uh, a higher level of care that could handle her condition.
2: And this is a a colleague at your hospital who got sick.
1: She didn't want to take it because of her religious beliefs. And she was coerced into taking it.
2: Why are you choosing to blow the whistle? It's not what a lot of people would do. They're scared. They're afraid. Are you afraid?
1: That wouldn't necessarily say I'm afraid, because my faith lies in God and not man. This is evil at the, the highest level. You have the FDA, you have the CDC, that are both supposed to be protecting us.
2: Are you afraid they're going to retaliate against you?
1: Yeah. I'm a federal employee. What other federal employees do you see coming out?
2: But you put your faith in God.
0: Amen. Jodie O'Malley, the courage of Jodie O'Malley uh, is to be commended because when she says she's afraid of retaliation, I'd be afraid of retaliation too if I were her, if I were blowing the whistle on the Phoenix Indian Medical Center run by HHS, which means that every person that works in that hospital, every healthcare worker is a federal employee and they are violating the law, not reporting to VARS the side effects of the COVID vaccine, the serious adverse effects of the COVID vaccine. I mean, the, the video goes on, by the way. I showed you a little clip of it. It's a full 10 minute video, worth watching, when you're done listening to this. Um, an employee of this of this healthcare center, of the Phoenix Indian Medical Center, died after she was coerced to take the vaccine. She didn't want to. She tried to apply for a religious exemption. She was forced to get it or else lose her job, and she died from it. Died from it. And then there's and then this woman, Jody O'Malley says that this medical center and these healthcare workers are not reporting to VARES what is happening. It's shocking. The federal government owes us a response, owes us a response. Okay, a little levity after a lot of serious topics. Something super, super funny, Space Force has debuted their new uniform. I'm gonna show you that in just a second. It is, it is quite something, but first I wanna talk about trust and will. We all know that we need one, but most of us put off creating a trust or will because it sounds complex, it sounds expensive, we maybe don't like facing our own mortality, Well, it doesn't have to be such a pain. At trustandwill.com, setting up an estate plan is simple, it's convenient, and it's secure. For as little as $39, you can nominate guardians for your children, you can determine who gets your stuff in the event of your death, you can plan for future medical care, all from the comfort of your own home. You don't have to hire a traditional estate attorney, you don't have to pay them thousands of dollars, you don't have to use their one-size-fits-all template. No, no. Trust and Will documents are designed by estate planning experts and customized for the state you live in. They also have live customer support seven days a week. They're the most trusted name in online estate planning, the category leader on Trustpilot. So gain peace of mind at trustandwill.com slash Liz and get 10% off plus free shipping of your customized legal documents. Don't wait, go right now, this is really important. Get 10% off plus free shipping if you use my name, trustandwill.com slash Liz, trustandwill.com slash Liz. It's the responsible thing to do. We all know that we have to do it. We have to be adults. I highly encourage you to go to trustandwill.com slash Liz. Okay, a moment of levity. Take a deep breath, offload all of the stressful and bad news, all the things, quote unquote, happening to our nation that are happening because of Joe Biden's choices. A moment of levity. Dun-da-da-da, I give to you the new Space Force uniform. Take a look at this. For those of you who are listening, how do I even describe this? I describe this, first of all, it really does seem to fit. The name Guardians, because if you're in the Space Force, you know you are a Guardian. You know, soldier, sailor, marine, airman. Well, if you're in the Space Force, you're a Guardian, and the uniform befits the name. It kind of looks like a chef. I think if a chef's jacket were blue, it looks like a chef. It has that that side button that's kind of diagonal. Um, a lot of people online think it looks like Battlestar Galactica, and I swear to you, look at the side. If you look at the side by side picture, um, identical, identical. So the last way that I would describe this to you is I bet Dwight Schrute likes these uniforms. This is right up his alley. I bet he likes these uniforms. So um, pretty funny. Pretty funny, I think. I don't really like them, but you know, let me know what you think of them. On that note, did you, did you see what's happening in Australia? This is a little bit, oh, by the way, the great and powerful Jay Hay is booing again in my ear. What, Jay Hay, do you like these uniforms? You like them? Oh, he says he loves them. They look great. Ridiculous. Ridiculous. Oh, he likes the Battlestar Galactica, so okay, there we go. Well, you can't be right on everything. You Can't be right on everything, but I don't know. Let me know what you think. I think they're kind of silly looking. Jay Hay likes them, but he also likes Seinfeld. So, can you really trust the man? We'll see. All right, Australia. I do want to touch on this really quick because Australia. This is not. This is not a topic that's that's fun or funny, but we do have to keep an eye on what's happening in Australia, because Australia is becoming a policed state in the face of COVID. The borders between the Australian states have been closed. That means travelers just trying to travel domestically in Australia are being blocked at these borders. One couple actually, and this would be like if you were trying to travel from Ohio to Kentucky, right? If you were trying to travel from California to Vegas. Travelers are being blocked at the border. Uh, One couple went past uh, the borderline, which wasn't actively being enforced right there. It wasn't like a police chase but it was just barricaded. They weren't allowed, and they were like, well, we're gonna do it anyway. The police actually chased them down an hour and a half past the border, fined them $1,000 each, and then escorted them back to the state from where they came. How insane is that? Meanwhile, construction workers in Australia are protesting in the streets because of a vaccine mandate as of October, and their protests are getting a little bit violent. Take a look at this.
2: Wow. <laughs> they throw at the compass. Look at that. Look at that. They're throwing at the compass. Get him. Whoa.
0: Protesters, these construction workers, were chasing police. They actually broke down the door of the construction union office, and some people online um, have been have been calling hypocrisy because so many conservatives condemned the Black Lives Matter riots but aren't condemning. Um, what's happening in Australia, that these construction workers are starting to become violent. And here's my take. There is a difference between Black Lives Matter violence and vandalism and these anti-mandate protests. And a couple of differences um, in the sense that people aren't being killed, first of all. Huge difference. Very big difference. People aren't being hurt either. And if they are, if these people are hurting police officers, these protesters, then that's wrong. But people aren't being killed and in general aren't being hurt. The the other big difference is the narrative of the anti-mandate protesters isn't false. And the Black Lives Matter narrative is false. So the, the target as well, you know, when they break down this union office, the door of the union office, that's not an innocent business that's being completely burned to the ground, like the black owned businesses um, in Minneapolis. No, the target here isn't innocent and it's not full, it's not full destruction. The union and the police enforcers of this law are the target. So, is violence wrong in general? Yes. If people are getting hurt, that's wrong. Is it the same as Black Lives Matter rioters and violence? No, it's not the same at all. And don't let the left tell you that it is. Um, Fauci is lying yet again, and th- this is a pretty this is a pretty big deal. This is a pretty big deal. So, Instagram has censored the hashtag hashtag natural immunity. They don't allow that to trend. They don't allow that um, to really show up because they don't want to talk about that. Um, And I I think we should talk about this. So this next segment is for locals VIPs only. You can go to lizwheelershow.com slash locals, lizwheelershow.com slash locals, because we are going to break down the lies that Dr. Fauci is telling about natural immunity. We are going to show the science of natural immunity. So please join us at LizWheelerShow.com slash locals. If you want to see the rest of this segment, hear everything that we're going to talk about, head on over to Locals, the Liz Wheeler Show community at LizWheelerShow.com locals. See you there. However, the great and powerful Jay Hay says that I'm out of time for today. I think maybe he's just, uh, he's just mad that I don't like the Space Force uniforms, but regardless... Until next time, think for yourself, use critical thought, question authority, follow the facts, and don't let government or corporate wokism or anybody bully you into being a sheep. Please subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts. Give us a five-star rating, a glowing review. Thanks for watching. Thanks for listening. I'm Liz Wheeler. This is The Liz Wheeler Show. The Liz Wheeler Show is produced by Jonathan Hay, executive producer Chad Abbott, director of photography Kevin McRoberts, Editor Alejandro Figuerella, Assistant Editor, Michael Wall, Sound Mixer, Robin Fenderson, Post Production Manager Victoria Metzel, Director of Marketing Emily Washler, Production and Talent Coordinator Matt Toffler, and Senior Publicist Patricia Jackson. This has been a Soundfront Production.